PlayStation 5 heatsink. Patents. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, and yet another episode involving patents. We're not going to be crazy patents. on it, but <laughs> patents. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode 160. 160. Woo! All right. Um, we up there. We up there. If you've never checked the show out, of course, we, we give the big spiel at the end of the show these days. Uh, so stick around for that if you want to see where you can find us and uh, what we're all about and how you could support the show further. But starting this show off the right way, as is deemed necessary by tradition. Also, I'm not a stickler for tradition. I just happen to really like this one. So, Saul, I've actually spoke with you a bunch this week, which is a little uncommon. Yeah, always. we see each other at work almost every day now. Definitely recently, though. Yeah. So that's the one plus side to the downside of yeah. my, my thing. I was like, oh, at least I get to talk to Saul a little bit more. That's uh, true. But what have you been playing and up to if it's not just been one thing? You beat the game that I know you're talking about well before I did. So Yeah, I beat, I, so I beat Remake. I think we talked about that last episode. I think you had already beaten it last episode. And yeah, I, I, can't so remember, I, I can't remember if I, if I said that or not. Uh, so Remake's beaten. I, I had an extreme desire to go back and play the original 7 which I kind of started it. I've kind of been piddling on a little bit. Um, but I also started nine, which I played like the first 45 minutes of, but when it came out on PS4 and so now I'm about, f- well, hold on. You bought it back when it came out. I forgot about that. Yeah. I got all the way up to the play sequence. And then uh, I thought you had recently rebought it. But now that I'm thinking about what you said, yeah, you, you had said that you got to the play yeah. and stopped. So now I've gotten, uh, all the way up to, uh, the part where you get to the evil forest, mm-hmm. and then um, Garnet is captured by that weird plant thing that has her in a cage. Yeah, you're still not very far. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I beat that, and then I saved after I beat that. Um, Boy, that's a game that I really do need to replay. Because it's crazy how much you think you can remember something until you're playing it again, and then you start to remember it while you're playing it. Well, people really criticized the art style in this game and said the art style wasn't really remade, but I disagree. I actually, the character models look really good, and I, and what they were really pertaining to were the backgrounds. And I think oh, the yeah. backgrounds weren't really touched upon, but it's still kind of nostalgic to see that kind of background art and the new kind of characters. I kind of dig it. Well, here's the bigger question, because, of course, I've not seen the PS4 version of 9, but I thought of the three PlayStation ones... And I've been playing on Switch, by the um, way. Yeah, of the three PS1 versions, 9 actually looked the best. It does. It does the best, and I mean, of course it should, being the last one, yeah. but it does the best job of pulling in the static backgrounds um, of 7 that you also kind of go on to see in 10. Yes. And having now 10, of course, it looks far more blended with the world than both seven and nines do. But I thought seven and I thought nine did a much better job of seven at making your character look more in line with the static backgrounds than seven. Seven, you pop too much and the weird shaping makes it hard. But every character in nine, while having that little bit of a chibi effect, they they look more like a real character, more like eight. Eight was more like we're going to try and do most of it in three D. Yeah, nine's going to go back. Eight remaster looks really good. Yeah, seven's remaster. Haven't played it. Did it update the static backgrounds? No, I didn't think so. So why would you expect that in nine? If they did anything, they made like doors, like like specifically doors, more visible. 
or maybe it's just that I knew where they all were. It mm. still has that weird thing where some screens are transitioning on weird spaces on the left and right. And it's hard to find those sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so I played that. Uh, it's actually, uh, I downloaded that on Switch on Monday or Tuesday, and I've been playing that since. And I decided to go ahead and download Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy X on Switch. Mm-hmm. So now I have Final Fantasy VII, VIII, IX, and X, and twelve all on Switch. Um, so that, I thought that was kind of cool. But is your goal to like play through all of them back to back, or just have them interspersed between other games? Kind of interspersed in between each other. Uh, I actually started up ten, and then I was like, eh, I don't really feel like playing this right now. I think you're starting too many Final Fantasy games at once. <laughs> I, I am. Uh, oh, uh, I didn't even think about it. If you wanted to play Final Fantasy VI, I have it. So I guess technically you could play it whenever you borrow the Vita. I, I do want to do that really badly. Yeah. Um, also, something that's cool, uh, we keep talking about Biggs and Wedge. I don't know if you remember Final Fantasy VI in the intro uh, when you are walking through the snow and the mechs, the two people are with you are Biggs and Wedge. They're the first, yeah. I think they're the first iteration of Biggs and Wedge in I a think Final Fantasy game. Yeah, so, yeah, I forgot about that. But um, Man, that's an opening right there. It is, I love that opening. That's actually, I will say that's the best Final Fantasy opening there is. I like how somber the majority of it is, like even once you get into the town. Yeah. And you're, and you're kind of waking up and everything's happening. That story, uh, that game had a really cool story to me too. Uh, yesterday though, I uh, sat down, started recording Bloodborne Saw plays at, uh, mm. at 5, like 5.17. And it's all screwed. <laughs> this is what I mentioned to you on Discord. This is I so I told everybody on Discord this happened. Friday I got home. I uh-huh. finally got my mic back from Seth on Friday. I set it all up and I pulled everything up and I looked at it uh, on my computer and I did audio tests to make sure that the game versus my voice versus I even went all the way to Gas One to fight him to see if the music flare up would would drive me out because I actually had that problem in Dark Souls Three. Um, perfect. Started playing yesterday at 5.15, took a break and grabbed a sandwich at like around 1. And I finished up around 3.15 to 3.30-ish. None of that recorded at all. The only thing I have is a single video that is corrupted. There's no audio. There's no intro to Saw Plays. Nothing at all. So I spent from about 3.30 to 6.30 yesterday... Trying to figure it out. ...troubleshooting this. (laughs) Oh, man. I have gathered... That either my PS4 is not communicating with my Elgato properly and it's not recording. You have HTCP off? Uh, yes. You Actually, as a matter of fact, you uh, when you have that on, I don't even think you can pull up the screen I think you're in, right. the, in the thing. Yeah. Um, you know what it could have been? Hmm. And I know this sounds weird. You know the HTCP protocol was just updated. Possibly. I don't know. Um. Would they have stopped that from working then? I don't think so, because if you're turning it off, it shouldn't matter. But, hey, we're not here to live troubleshoot. Sorry. Yeah. We can talk more about it later if you haven't already figured it out. But No, I haven't. Um, but I, fi- I figured out that either my Elgato's dead, it won't record, but it'll let me stream, which is weird. Because it streams on my computer perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Or that something went wrong in the recording and encoding process to my PC. I, one of the things I did was I tried it on my laptop, did the same thing. I tried it on Annie's PS4. Did the same thing. So it is not with a laptop. So it's either a combination of my PS4 and the PC, or it's a combination of that, the, the ca- the, or it's just the capture card being dead. Unfortunately, there is nowhere that can get me a capture card fast enough to hit my deadline. So it's just not going to happen? It's just not going to happen right now. Uh, that really, like, I told Josh in Discord yesterday, I was like, I just need some mashed potatoes and some fried chicken right now because <laughs> I was so done. 
one that, one is thing that your I, comfort food yes one thing i really like about having the weekends off is i have two consistent days and i'm off and i just wasted one mm. and i was just i i literally and i even bought a um 10 foot hdmi cable because my you know where it's all set up okay that might have introduced that's, that's some not problems. nope good I, it's not, i tried different hdmi cables good. i went to my laptop so and i don't know you're what not using is. an overly long um usb micro right? no Good. No, it's it's the one that it came with. Good. And I even tried another one. Still, nothing's working. I looked on Best Buy. Best Buy was like May 22nd. I think it could get me one. Amazon, um, there was only two sellers that had one. One was like May 15th, and one was currently unavailable. So oh, yeah. I'm not even going to worry about it from right now. So I apologize for everybody looking at it. I'm going to delete the teaser off YouTube. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it because I literally... And what's funny is I almost put it in Discord, but I just didn't want to see it because it pissed me off. That character that I have that um, that I was playing on uh, in the Let's Play, I had this funny moment of like very, very quickly running away because I forgot that if you start the final boss fight, you can't go to New Game Plus in, 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 um, in Bloodborne. So I was doing this thing like, and you can't go back to the DLC either until you beat Amelia in the next playthrough. And I wasn't going to do all that for this. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I was showing them off the arena. And I was like, let me go show you who this is up here. Because, you know, Gascoigne, or not Gascoigne, um, German sitting up there the, in the arena. And then I was like, I, I had an ex talking to him. I'm like, oh, whoops. And I thought I was going to trigger the, the cutscene because then it popped up saying make decision. And that's where you can either fight him or he kills you. And I was like, uh, and then the let's play. I was like, Maybe I we shouldn't be spoiling Bloodborne, but we, here we are. No, yeah, here we are. Uh, so I was like, I don't know if I need to press a button or just run away. And thankfully running away from him made the dialogue box go away and nothing happened. Okay. But I almost ruined the let's play that was already ruined by because I did all the bosses up until the final one. And then I was going to go to the DLC and do all of the DLC and then, actually, what's funny, I was going to edit in a montage because I only died five, four times, five times throughout this entire thing until one boss. And I've been through the DLC twice now, just trying to make a run out of it. And it's Ludwig. And he killed me probably ten times. <laughs> and I was going to make a montage of me dying to cut down the to cut down the footage, but lo and behold, it's not there. <laughs> I was actually gonna, I was actually going to put some fun editing into this one, and now that it, now that it, and I just told Josh or not Josh, yeah, Josh that I, uh, shoot, I was just I'm not I'm not even going to worry about it. Like I, I, you know, when you work on something for so long and it just falls down, you're just like I'm not touching that thing for a while. Oh yeah, that's how I feel. I definitely understand. <laughs> I, that. I just no, I don't want to do it anymore. But enough ranting. Um, I apologize for everybody who got excited for that uh saw plays for bloodborne will be happening right now that is the next i have decided though that if i go back that is probably the next game i will do well, to keep it consistent up can i corner you into a decision right now and see if we're gonna lock down on a final fantasy 7 remake impressions episode we could do that sometime this week okay i just gotta figure out what day you know work with me and Depending on like what I'm doing throughout yeah. the week, well, I can go ahead and tell you Monday and Wednesday won't work for me. Well, at least Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Maybe no Friday. This is Andy's weekend off because so. I'm doing other stuff, but but so it's Tuesday recording and podcasting. So sadly, uh, anyway, we'll figure that out. And look, yeah. there you go. We'll. That sounds like a probably from Saul, but a couple of people have asked and mentioned, "Hey, are y'all planning on doing an impressions?" And you know, it's a good time to bring it back for yeah. for a game that has a lot of 
talk around it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really just want to talk about this game now that you've beaten it. Um, and now that we can openly talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but, for sure. But but what have you been playing? Speaking of remake, I'm sure. Mine was a remake, of course. Uh, you know I get very single-minded, so I started remake and didn't play anything else throughout the entirety of playing remake. Um, I was a little surprised that it actually did. I hit the 40-hour mark. Like... Yeah, I'm trying to remember what mine was. I guess because I did was, all the side quests, but... I think it was... Well, I did it too, except one in the last area. And I, I was at 36. Yeah. Um, well, I say I hit the 40. I know I was close, so I'm, I'm, my mind just kind of ups... But it was at least 38. Uh, now You I, also had a lot of trouble with Sephiroth. <laughs> and I told you why. And actually, I'll go ahead and say that that's, that's one of the things that to me is, this, is bad game design. And I'm not throwing it only on that game. There's a lot of games that do this, but... The problem I have with the game is that during the final boss fight, it would constantly do these transition scenes where he, you know, where you get knocked to another building, uh, and you never knew. Exa- I guess you could really, you, if you just did the fight enough times, you could pick up on exactly when it's going to do it. But sometimes it would do it even erratically. I thought I knew when it was coming, yeah. so I would do my limit, thinking I had the ability to do and it. And then cutscene. Waste, and then it would do a transition scene, waste my limit. I'd start to do cure, and it would spin my ATB bar, and sometimes even my material, my uh, MP, and then bam, I, magically, I, I didn't even get cured. And then the bigger thing I had that I really hate in games like this, and I hate it in all games. I hate it in games where they block off the ability to do damage based off of needing to move you through phases. Yeah. Um, it's a problem that Anthem, Destiny, a bunch of games have that I really can't stand is when you've you're doing too much damage in the section so once you hit the damage cap for that area any more damage that would have happened with like a limit one time my limit went all the way through technically but because the game was slow to transition several was just standing there i shouldn't say the name but we you already said it i already said it and i was sitting there thinking like are we gonna have to edit this video final boss (laughs) was standing there and i was getting and i was hitting him with the limit and doing no damage and i hate that to me, that that's all things that te- you know. There should never be a time where you're in the middle of a boss fight and these things happen. And then what makes it worse is when you're going to redo the boss fight. Every time these things happen, you have to wait for these dumb cutscenes that you can't skip. Yeah. So yeah, that and it's funny. The first time I went to the thing, I almost beat it. I was. I had one hit left on him. I screwed up. It's fine. That's how. That's exactly how I did beat the final boss. Was that frustration I had, I is had what like gets you a hit or maybe two hits left on me, and. It was funny that I was like, I didn't even realize what I was doing, but I was Aerith, and I was casting uh, uh, a Phoenix down on Cloud, because Barrett and Cloud were both dead. And, no, no, I'm sorry, I was Tifa doing this. I about to say, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's not, not to speak of that. But then I was like, okay, I casted the Phoenix down, let me run over there and punch him a couple times so that my ATB bar gets up, and I just killed him. But I did not realize that when he hit me, it did the thing that I told was irritating where my ATB bar was gone, so I never used Phoenix down on Cloud. Oh. So it was just, but I killed him. It was just me going over there absentmindedly, not realizing that everybody's still dead. I'm almost dead, and I'm just trying to go over there real quick to get a quick heal into Cloud. Yeah. It's not alive. Yeah. And I, the, uh, it did the thing like what I like in this game when you beat a boss, it does like this weird camera sweep to like mm-hmm. the boss in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh! <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was about to beat him. That happened to me twice, though, of letting frustration around the situation keep me from going further. Uh, the first time that I failed at the dogs that I was talking about in Discord. And, and, uh, yeah, that part was annoying. The fir- that whole day, I was already the- I was just kind of tired and was getting ready to quit playing. And then that kind of just made me want to stop playing. Yeah. Next day, first try, I did it. I didn't even change anything I was that's, doing. I tell you, that's how it was with another boss for me, the chariot boss. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, hey, look. Um, 
I'm going to stop playing this for that night. And then I went back like three days later and I beat him on my first trial. I was like, oh, there we go. It reminds me of PS3 era whenever Seth was over, actually. And we were I was playing Heavenly Sword. And I just kept losing at the end. And I kept getting beat right at the very end. And I was getting so mad that there's something that's funny about getting mad when you're playing a video game because for some reason you feel like you're supposed to be doing better. You're like, yeah, this anger is going towards making me better. And it's not at all. Or at least for me, it's not. It's very rare that I get annoyed and actually end up doing better or beating it. Normally, the more annoyed I get and every fail that comes, I just get more and more annoyed. And I just go, ah, I don't think that I have work. to quit. That doesn't work with me. The funny thing about Heaven, Heavenly Sword is I put that game down after that, and then something else came out, and I started playing that. I didn't play it for almost six months. Put it back in one day, beat the first, beat the boss first try. And I hadn't even played the game. That's happened, now that's happened to me a couple of times. Made me upset. Uh, but since then, the thing about playing Remake is there was a couple of scenes. Hey, let's save this for the impressions. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm not saying it's just. There's a couple of scenes within remake that made me super nostalgic towards Crisis Core. Oh, so yeah. oh, I went yeah. toward and pulled my Vita out and uh, through some magic was playing Crisis Core on there. Uh, and man, that game is so good. The crazy thing about Crisis Core is like going through. You, I didn't even think about it, dude. Crisis Core came out exactly. Well, not exactly, but pretty much ten years. Yeah. It, it, after Final Fantasy VII, and it's amazing how much different the games are. It's like. Don't Crisis Core isn't fully voice acted. Did really come out 2006? 2007. Se- even then. And, and, Crisis, and Final Fantasy originally was 97. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 was 97. Sorry. Okay. And Crisis Core was 2007 that, in I Japan. Later. It didn't come out for us until 2008. Okay. April, March, something like that. I think but I, I played, played later. fun story, back in when, when Crisis Core first came out, I played it and had no very little clue of what was going on because I played it and beat I didn't beat it. I got pretty far. I got about probably 75% through the game in Japanese. Very little. I didn't know what I was doing. So, you know, you're just rolling with it and learning by... And then a cussing happens. You're like, oh, this is the right way. Yeah. And you're like, ah, figured it out. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, you can figure out your materia by just equipping it and then going through and using it and be like, ah, okay, that's what that is. Uh, But then I played the real game. So, either way, what I love about uh, Crisis Core is the surprising part is going through and playing it right right after 7, everything feels directly like in line with what I just played. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me. Besides, and I'll go ahead and shout it out, the new voice cast did fine. I prefer the the original voice cast for pretty much every character, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Aerith, See, Aerith is the only one I'm a little bit teetering on, but I think some of that's the way they chose to write her. For some reason, I know that in Kingdom Hearts and in the original seven, I always took her as really uh, conservative and just like kind of, oh, I'm Aerith. Yeah, no, that's not the thing. And in Crisis Core and in 7 Remake, she's got a lot more spunk spunk to her. Yeah. Like, she's still sweet and kind of soft. When Aerith said shit, I was like, what is this? (laughs) That's illegal. So, either way, I I really enjoy the the voice acting cast for the original game. or, Or, sorry, for a lot of the characters that they started doing once voices were added. And I'm a little upset that none of them made it back around. Uh, But that's just, it is what it is. So... I am enjoying that. I played, literally, I beat uh, Rep 7 Remake yesterday morning, first thing I did, and then I immediately played Crisis Core for seven hours. <laughs> so, Or actually, I, I did the I mowed the yard and did some stuff that I needed to do and then played Crisis Core for seven, six, seven hours. That's so how good. I was over my sleep. Telling you, that's the only game I've ever started in one fit and sitting, like when I first started mm-hmm. the game, mm-hmm. and then I immediately went all the way through the entire game with like a little bit of sleep in between. Yeah. Uh, the crazy thing about... Um, do you remember I restart? I started Crisis Core by about six months ago. Vaguely, yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't get very far. It, it, other it's stuff longer than on. that. It was longer than that because it was when it was when you first did the magical thing. Yeah, 
I don't know. Probably yeah, probably eight ago. months ago, maybe a year ago. I could probably go through and look at my camera. But it's funny that just even I love the game, and now that I'm playing through it and I've gotten much further, again I'm I'm even more reminded of how much I love the game. I haven't played it through all the way since it came out, 2008. And that's wild how much of it I do remember, and there's also wild how much of it I didn't remember. I think I did because I remember I had it on UMD, and mm-hmm. then I had the 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 Pandora Radio PSP that. Uh, <laughs> That, that I had it on. So I, did, I think I've done it twice now. Yeah, I just haven't Actually, played it since I, then because of time. I fairly remember more of that game than I do the original 7. Like, there's little smaller details in Crisis Core that I remember way more than I do in 7. So I may be saying something that's blasphemous as a whole from my memory and what I've played so far. I think I still like Crisis Core more than 7 Remake. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as a stand on the quality. I think it's just for some reason there's something about Crisis Core that no, has I, always hit I, me. Honestly, I, I liked Crisis Core more than the original 7. I like it more than 7 Remake there's so stuff, far. There's stuff that Crisis Core does in relation to 7. Direct relation. When you go to a certain city that you can actually play through. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. I honestly, I think that there's a part in the later game that I didn't like that much. It's funny because I was talking about a location, uh, Costa del Sol in that game, that mm-hmm. I was like, eh. That that whole scene, like that whole area, like with the beach and everything, was kind of bland. And even the Wutai stuff in the very beginning with Yuffie was kind of kind of cool visually, but kind of bland. Yeah. But overall, like I I have to simmer on this a little bit more because I actually would probably agree with you. I'm my bigger thing is I'm so impressed at how good a PSP game looks this yeah. long down the line, and even more so just because I was curious. This that could very well be a beta game. Curiosity strikes, you know, and it's funny. That's one of the, that's an early PSP game. Yeah. 2007 is first two, three years of PSP. Three um, years, right? Yeah, three. 2004 in Japan, and I think, I can't remember. I think it was 2005 here. I can't remember. I think it was Christmas 04 here that it came out. Either way, um, I put it on the PC just to see what it looked like in 4K because you can render it at 4K even though the text well actually that's what's great about doing games like that and rendering them in 4K is you can see it doesn't change the textures but it will sometimes bring out the definition that the textures didn't originally have because the game couldn't actually compute them out the way that they should um, Crisis Core looks really good like it still looks like an early PS3 game I, I guess I'd say all things considered, but there's so much emotion and like movement in the I, eyes and stuff. That I would I would say you could pass that as a Vita game. What's crazy is that there's parts. You, you know how in, in Kingdom Hearts one, 2002, right? Uh, on on PS2, in in Kingdom Hearts, you had it, it's a testament to how much the PSP looked like a, P, a PS2 that's portable. Now, of course, it was half the resolution. I guess technically four times under. Uh, well, not four times. It was half. Because um, it's 480p for PS2. But, you know, in Kingdom Hearts 1, one of the things that always struck me is like, wow, that's so detailed. Is the scenes when it would switch over to Sora and Riku's face and if it actually got close and they were fully animated lips and eyes. And it, they looked so good in comparison to 10, which came out just a year before that never really had... Yeah, 10's... I mean, it had moments, but a lot of 10 stuff was pre-rendered cutscenes. Well, 10... Of, 10 I, I noticed it yesterday. 10 has a thing where, where it's, it's badly... Not translated, but it's badly animated for translation mm-hmm. because they'll 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 stop their sentence and their mouth will move for like three or more seconds. Yeah, and and the, one of my favorite things about Kingdom Hearts back in the day is I always loved how well the lip syncing worked when it was a fully lip sync thing. Now, of course, when the camera's far away from you in Kingdom Hearts one, you'll occasionally see the the mouth is just a flap, but it's still moving in time how it should. Yeah, um, within reason. But yeah, that's the crazy thing about this game is that in certain times it looks like the best parts of Kingdom Hearts one, and this was on a PSP, so a portable PS two. And that, I shout out to Sony for making just such amazing 
handhelds and i mean I, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the switch now but i feel like for a long time nintendo was far behind what a handheld could realistically do and now they're there thankfully <laughs> uh but it just makes me long to be able to play crisis core with trophy support because there's something about that game that just makes me want to play it all i've been doing all the side missions rolling through so you know I'm not as far in the story as I could have been if I wasn't doing all the extra stuff, but it's been fun and I enjoy it. And it's a fantastic game that I'm so excited to be playing again. Uh, but I think it is time for us to move on to the community's take before we hop into the news. Thanks for listening to us rumble on about RPGs. If you hate JRPGs, then you have just suffered through a beginning of an episode. Um, but that's just what we happen to be on right now for some reason. Uh, so community state question from last week was in discussion to PlayStation 5. Uh, Going to have less units overall than what the PS4 was aiming for. Now, we've had a little bit of context added to some of that. And I think that that is important to bring up uh, over on our Discord. Uh, so people were talking about actually that through, um, let's see, Sony had sold through 7 million PS4s in, uh, I think, a six-month period. Yeah, from December to May 14th of 14. So their number is not that much more shallow. But I think the reason, and we didn't do a great job of uh, vocalizing that, but I know for me, I can't speak for Saul, but for me, I've, I've, to me it's that when the PS4 was hitting, there was a lot of doom and gloom around consoles. And there wasn't, there was no reason for Sony to believe that 7 million PS4s would move that quickly. Now, with the gaming landscape being bigger than it's ever been, and I think even like we talked about the um, the remark from um, Jim Ryan that he wanted to move PS5s at an unprecedented rate, I think up until the pandemic hit, they were intending for, because gaming has seemingly grown so much, and in a way it has, uh, in a way it hasn't, it's weird, you don't think about it that way, but with gaming growing so much, uh, you'd think that Sony, after a big thing like this, would want to come out of the gate with even more units so that they could have the potential to push through them. But this definitely seems like a change of plans. And I don't necessarily think it means that there's going to be not enough, though it could happen. Um, but it's just interesting. You know, the reason I said that it's like gaming has grown, but it's really not in a way, is that both PS4 and, uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 sold roughly 80 million units, right? A little bit more. So that's 160 million. You take into the Wii and you put the Wii in that, you're talking <laughs> uh, over 100 million units on its own. Uh, so you're talking 260 million yeah. uh, consoles for that generation alone. Well, if you really look at this generation, the PlayStation 4 is at like 120 million or whatever it's going to be. Uh, it's at least over 100 million, but the Xbox is only around 50. So realistically... Well, Switch. And the, the Switch, Switch is, yeah, the, Switch is really high. So, But my point is, is that so far with where we're at in the generations, this is really not that different from a, a sheer number standpoint than what we had back then. But there was a lot of things to change those numbers. There was Red Rings of Death problems, people not even sending them for free and just buying new ones. There's a lot of things that inflated console sales at that point in time. And even though the Wii sold a bunch, it had a very bad attach rate. Nobody bought games for it. Yeah. So there's a lot of contextual information that I think changes some of that up. And I do think gaming as a whole has grown, even if you do begrudgingly. Uh, I mean, I don't care, but if you're one of the people that begrudgingly has to include mobile gaming in that, it's still gaming and it's still does mean that there are people who may start mobile gaming and end up on consoles or PC. Yeah. So it's still part of the gaming market. And that's not even to say that PC has grown so much. I mean, PC has really had a big comeback oh, in yeah. interest. So yeah, I, that's, you know, that's just a little bit of uh, on there, but so if you want to add anything to that, but I'm about to, yeah, we, got, we can go to community state. Okay. Go ahead and hit into that. Um, over on discord, <clears throat> we add uh, the question, 
which let me see where I'm at. Okay, here we go. Uh, community stake was update on a question we've asked uh, before, but with new context with Sony aiming to make less PS fives for launch. How many of you are awaiting uh, are aiming rather to get a PS five day one is the cost of $500 or potentially more a deciding factor in you not getting one at launch as Sony is anticipating. Uh, and I was a little surprised at least within the people that we talked with on a, a pretty uh, regular basis. Uh, Seems like most people are really for getting one day one or at least close to launch. So we have Atlas Unchained, one of our friends and patrons. He says, I will be getting one as soon as I'm able to. Hopefully that's launch day, but if there's some shortage, I won't really have a choice but to wait. At $550, hypothetically, it is pushing it, but this is a console I'll be getting years of entertainment from, so it's reasonable in my opinion. And uh, I I definitely, I, I view that as well. I know that at the time I was poor, and the $600 price point of the PS3 was insanity. Oh, yeah. Uh, Even to this day, that's still insanity. And, and and I know it is, but the crazy thing is, is my original PS3 that was $600 is sitting right in there, still yeah. works to this day, and I played it for the entirety of the generation. So much like everyone else, the $600 becomes this thing of like, that's probably the best $600 I've, you know, one of the best $600 I've spent. That's true, yeah, and uh, and that's, you know, when you think about it, let's say the PS5's life cycle is only five years, mm-hmm. shortest life cycle in a while. That's still only like a hundred and ten dollars every five years you play that thing for five fifty. Yeah, so it's still a good deal. Yeah, um, Dennis on Twitter said, "I don't mind a five hundred dollar price tag, but will more than likely wait a few months to get one." With my wife and I having our first kid in late October, I doubt I'll be able to get one anyways. Congratulations, Dennis, on your uh, your very first child. Your- and this is Mr. Kevin Bacon Bits, our new patron. Oh, cool. I did not know that. So apparently he'd been listening to oh, the show. Oh, if I paid attention to his Twitter uh, handle, then yeah. yeah. He, but he's been listening to the show for about a year and said he uh, well, hey, he figured to finally you, time to uh, become a patron. So really, we appreciate you. Uh, I know we just had that earlier this morning, but uh, that's awesome, and we really appreciate it. And, I, and congratulations on you and your child uh, and your wife as well. And I hope everything works out well with that. Everybody stays healthy. With the economy potentially taking a hit, but even then, just how much time and effort and and money goes into a baby. I understand why people who are having kids right now who are gamers are probably like, there's a chance I'll have to hold on to the PS4 for a little longer. (laughs) There's a chance I'll have to hold off on the baby for a little longer. I'm like, how does that work? If only, right? Uh, You know, baby, could you just stay in there for a little bit while I beat Cyberpunk? Wow. Uh, Jason on Twitter, Jason G says, I plan on getting it day one and I was planning to prepare $500 for it. I can't believe it costing any less than that. I'd be okay with just one game uh, for it upon release and give me one game upon release and I'm there. All this will happen. I should be able to talk. uh, If all this is to happen, I should be able to make a pre-order, of course, which Mm -hmm. that's kind of my thing. I am kind of curious as to how easy a pre-order would be. I'm not playing the pre-order game if I have to wait a month or two after release to get one. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. Well, and here's a big question that comes from this. What if they open up pre-orders, right? And they don't put a cap on pre-orders. Let's just say that that's how that happens. Do you think that there's a chance they open up pre-orders and see what the day one pre-orders just look like? And then from there, they may adjust their... Um... I'm sure it's going to be done over time. I don't think it'll be mm-hmm. just like one and done. 
Well, what I mean by that is, like, do you think that there's a chance that pre-orders could be high enough to sway Sony from their current projection and current number that they anticipate making to where if, if pre-order interest is super high, do you think they go back and go, you know what, maybe we they'll make have to open seven up, million? They'll have, to, they'll have to open up pre-orders a lot earlier to you make an so? extra hundred million consoles. I mean, a hundred million. Well, I, I, I agree million. with that. But let's just say they open it up in, that's going to be weird. Because they'd have to open it up like May, right? Yeah. To prepare for a, a one million more consoles. Well, and May is currently a rumored on both sides, though. So I was maybe say, there's is that more an Xbox to it. thing, or is that a PlayStation and Xbox? Both. Thing? There's rumors that Xbox is going to reveal its Series S, and that PlayStation will be showing off its console. Rumors. You don't know. Maybe we can get one on my birthday. But let's just say yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? But let's just say I won't that, that date. May is going to be when they announce it and when they open up pre-orders. In, from May to when they anticipated opening June, if there's a high enough volume of pre-orders in that time, do you think that they could go back? I think that they, it, it'd be reasonable and smart to look and go, yeah, yeah, there's way more interest than we anticipated. But I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, Jason does head over to Discord as well and, and put a, a little bit more to his answer. He said uh, when PS4 released, he grabbed Black Flag and was more than happy with that as a, you know tying back into his one game remark. And he said, uh, if a uh, UG, if an AC game released alongside a PS5, I am sold. So, And sense. I think there's a good chance for that. There's been some, again, rumors. But I think it makes sense because of where the games have been. I think it makes sense for uh, AC Ragnarok to be at the reveal if it's going to be somewhere around that launch, uh, somewhere around a launch title. I ex- I anticipate it being a cross-gen title. Of course. Yeah. But still. With it being a yearly release game. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Ashley on Twitter says... I'll wait till the price drops, which is always a sensible thing to do. I, I mean, I agree, honestly. Don't get me wrong. I think it's how much money or how much um, how much disposable income do you have versus how much you like the hobby with the added-in aspect of how much more do you think the PS4 can offer you in the time between you deciding to buy the PS5. If, yeah. if honestly you think you have a lot more value in the PS4 left to be had, then and you're not just necessarily in a hurry and don't have necessarily the disposable income or could use it somewhere else. It makes sense to hold off. Well, in the same responsible vein, uh, that for that mindset, uh, Deadhead on Twitter says, "I'm not too worried about it. Usually, day one technology has a lot of problems. I'll wait till the second model's release or price drops." Which is very still very sensible. It is, um, and I think that the, the the red rings that we talked about earlier were a huge impact in people. Being a little more weary about buying stuff there. Absolutely, on. yeah, absolutely. I and I fully, you know, for a purchase that's going to cost upwards of six hundred dollars after taxes, mm-hmm. then yeah, you, it's totally. It makes total sense to go ahead and wait on it. Um, at least at least six months, like is I think is mm-hmm. a safe area for me. But pe- for people who wait a year or two years and then classify themselves as a patient gamer, even better because you know for yeah. sure you're going to get a good deal with a pro- probably a good bundle. You're going to be able to play. All these games that have come out, you're not waiting for release upon release, like kind of like we are now in this realm. Like I'm done with seven. What else is there for me? I'm kind of just Until waiting. Until The Last of Us Two manages yeah. to show its head. Yeah, and, yeah, and see. So like this is you know it's a very you know you never you never hurt yourself from waiting for an outcome like this. I think that's true. Now I do think that if I had had, had cared enough to be a big on Xbox, you know, when we got a 360, it was me and my brothers both. And when we got a PS3, it was mine only. There was a big deal about that, you know, because I was the one and we had a little bit more money, thankfully, at that point in my in our life. And my brother kept the Xbox and moved on and I didn't care to keep playing it. It's kind of how me and but, Seth did in a way, but except as the, it's kind of like, Seth had the PS3, that was his. Mm-hmm, and you had the 360. And I had the 360 was, and that was mine. But then Seth would leave the PS3 at home when he would live with you, and I'd be like, okay, cool. That's where I got to play Demon Souls and yeah. and Metal Gear Solid Four. 
You yeah. just never had it. <laughs> so on stuff like that, um, I, I got to say, I've, I think I've been, I, I wouldn't even say I've been lucky. I think Sony have done a fantastic job at always making sure their day one stuff works. And up until my brother, I don't even know exactly what happened with it. And I don't even want to think about it too much. But up until my PS2 uh, got taken, I had an original fat PS2 that was my original one from when we were a kid. And it even had the hard drive attachment on the back for using to play games like Final Fantasy XI online where you added a hard drive in because yeah. the game was too big. Um, and it had the Ethernet connector and all that stuff on it. But uh, I had that up until uh, I, I was already in this house. So it's been about three or four years ago that that's been missing. But I still have my original PS1. I still have my original launch model P- or had my original launch model PS2. I still have a launch model PSP. I, and I, I just recently switched the frame out for Kyrie. Um, that oh, we yeah. Did. I have my launch model Vita or a launch model Vita. Uh, and I, I mean, I, don't, I have the launch model PS4 still. I don't have... I've either been incredibly lucky, but really I think it's that Sony makes a really great product. And I'd even go as far as to say that most companies do now. But a recent example that does throw kind of a good reason to heed that kind of stuff is like the Switch. And it's not the Switch is just a complete wreck of a system or anything like that. But things like Joy-Con Drift are something that's good to know before you make the conscious decision to buy it. Yeah, and honestly, I've made a kind of a conscious decision myself in a very similar realm, and that's with phones. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to iPhone and trying this out. Well, the thing is, is that I could have waited till September and gotten the iPhone 12 or whatever is going to come out, but with some phones that come out, like like, what was it, the Note 8 that was exploding? Or the 7. Because I know they skipped one. I think that's what it was. They skipped one and went to 9. I don't think they had a Note 8, did they? They did. They didn't have. Did a they note. skip the number? They didn't have a Note Six, I think. Well, the Note Six was the exploding one, then, wasn't it? No, the Note Seven, because they skipped Note Six and did the Note Seven at the same time as the S Seven. They what they oh. wanted to do was get parity on the Note that's line. So and the, weird. And that's the a, normal. That's what you get Galaxy. Samsung for exploding phones. But then you have so many phones come out with 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 software issues and, and hardware issues that you're not expected for. I'm fully fine with having an iPhone for a year before I upgrade to a new one. Mm-hmm. It gives everything, it gives everything a year of like, Hey, like this is worth, you know, upgrading now. And I think me and Brett are the only people that we know personally that upgraded phones as much as we do. I've had this note nine for a year and a month. And this is the longest I've held a phone for a while. You upgrade phones way more than I do. Kind and, of. and I still upgrade phones more than most people. Yeah. And that we know it's and and people like Sean, he'll say, oh, that's stupid. It's like, Maybe for you, but like this is something in my pocket that I have every day, always with me, that I use and consume media, videos, everything. Mm-hmm. I want to keep whatever this is in good shape. I want it to work well. If it doesn't work well, it's impacting something of my life that I don't want to be impacted negatively, so I'll change. Now, one thing I can te- Which, do that technically puts me up with you. Don't do Samsung. This phone's crap. As I have a work phone. And my work phone gets updated intermittently as well. Yeah. So technically, I do you upgrade have, phones as much as you. But well, not only that, you could decide to go one route with, like, say you want to grow to the, the S20 Ultra or something from Samsung on that line. And then on your line, say, I'm going to go with the, the OnePlus 8 Pro. That's something. true. And that's actually what I did when I got my work phone S10. I was like, I'll try it. I'm, I mean, it's okay. It's, see, I'm I like you. my OnePlus 6T a lot more. And that's funny because yeah. it's older. <laughs> I still, but, still to this day, I'll unlock my phone and it will just be dim. And I'm like, why is this dim? Because it matches the 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 this current brightness of my lock screen. 
and it makes me angry so bad. Yeah, but that's a good point because like even things like the Google Pixel Four had some uh, issues. Google Pixel Four came one. out with issues, uh, um, and a lot of it was like the screen would get stuck, and you'd have to lock it and unlock it for it to unstick. The 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 Google Pixel had issues when it came out, or the Pixel Four had issues when it came out. The Pixel Three had issues when it came out. Um, There's just there a is couple a of lot. the Samsung phones. I think the Samsung, Technology. the 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 Note, no, not the Note Ten, the S Ten had had some issues when it first came out. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Also, Richard, don't make fun of me for switching to iPhone. I'll do what I want to do, boy. <laughs> like, if you really want me to, I'll show you fanboyism. I'll, I'll get that Apple Pencil and use it on my phone nonstop. Um, a new face over in the Discord, uh, True. He says at this oh, what's point. Up, buddy? A $500 price point is a little bit of a turnoff, but I'm still probably going to try and get one day one. These next few months will be the biggest deciding factor. Knowing launch titles and price point is going to be my bottom line. And I do think that that's what I expected more about this question is you anticipate getting it day one, but that can always change based off of launch titles. Was I missing that or no? No, no you weren't. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I get it. When you don't even know how much it costs or what your launch title is going to be, it is hard to make a definitive decision. I think the only reason that some people can make a little bit more of a decision this early ahead is because backwards compatibility. Yeah, and, and see, this is I said this last episode or maybe the episode before that, is that I wish we had a game that we were playing multiplayer because right now there's really nothing for me to play and that's why I'm kind of going back to Final Fantasy IX right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, when the PS5 comes out, I'm already have going to beat Last of Us. I'm already going to have beaten Ghost of Tsushima. What launch games are they going to give me to play? And if I beat that launch game within a month, what's left? Because now I'm not playing any of my PS- PS4 right now. So that backwards compatibility will be nice, but I-, I won't be playing anything or looking forward to anything. So it kind of becomes this thing of like the first month, unless it has like two or three really strong launch games or yeah. like, or, or, you know, crossover general uh, generation games, then I'm going to kind of be in the same pickle that I'm in now where games are taking a little while to produce. So, sure. so even if I do, that's why I don't really mind if I have to wait because I don't get a pre-order. Well, it's not and, a big deal. And something small, like if Fallout 76 goes down to $5 again, you can try your hand at a couple of games that are going to be like that. Because like Destiny. Yeah. If you ever got really hard back into Destiny, you'd be able to transition that up with you and just have the benefits of playing it on the better console. But you're right. Backwards compatibility matters less when it's part of it's a problem with us is that we play stuff you know, a little too quickly. Like we, we get stuff as soon I as it comes say out. That. Like I beat, you, you're, you're, I beat seven remake in two weeks after it came out. Yeah, and actually, I did, I did too. Uh, Donovan was like, "Man, you beat that quick." I was like, "Really? I didn't." Well, you beat it three weeks. Uh, well, I mean, technically, I guess, but I didn't even get it until the Tuesday following its release. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, you, so technically for you, yeah, weird time. But uh, yeah, I'll do a couple more over here. Mister Luke Rabbit says, "I'm going to wait myself probably until some of the first major exclusives are released, or the price goes down in a couple years." I'm more of a patient gamer, though. I've also spent a decent amount on building a PC recently, which I feel might hold me over for a while. Still very excited about PS5. If I wasn't a patient gamer, then I'd say five hundred dollars or less. Beyond five hundred dollars feels for me personally a little steep another factor here is that we're in the weird situation with the pandemic pushing us into a recession or at at the very least not helping keep us from one uh, with people out of work in a slower economy I fear that might create hesitancy to purchase anything over $500 forcing people to wait longer to get into the next generation something I've been thinking about and worry about if price is too high interesting to hear your thoughts on that as well the next generation might in fact be a pretty slow start for the first year or more, perhaps. Um, you know, I do think that the PS3 generation that I just talked about hitting 80 million units both uh, on both systems, it was kind of amazing considering that the financial collapse of 08 happened. 
Yeah, and it's kind of all insane. Like it, it you know, people said history repeats itself, and it really does because it's been twelve years since that happened. Also around the presidential election, also around new consoles coming out. Yeah, so it's kind of weird. Um, well, but, not too far. Yeah, because what Xbox three hundred and sixty was oh five, and PlayStation was November six oh six. Yeah. So I guess it was two years after, but that's still close enough to that's close have enough in the grand impact, scheme yeah. of things. Uh, and I'll, that was a long generation. So if you it, think about yeah. it, it's more front loaded. Yeah. I, I think price is going to play a big point based off the economy, but I, I'm hesitant because it's not like I know that much about the economy. I'm hesitant to say exactly what the impact of this is going to be, partially because I think the impact is going to be lopsided. I don't think certain people are not having any problems with money right now. And honestly, I'm thankfully on the side of having less issues. My wife has no income and, uh, you know, sadly, unemployment has not been of any kind of help to us. And we've been trying to deal with it for a month and a week and gotten nowhere. Uh, I think we may have just gotten something of an understanding of what's going to happen. But even then, we're not, I'm not struggling for money, thankfully. So it's going to be one of those things where certain people are certain industries that were forced to close. And then other people are weirdly going to end up having be okay as well, like people who are these essential workers. They have a, straight, a steady stream of income. It's it's odd. I don't know. Speaking of money, um, do you want to go get food after this, or do you have plans? <laughs> uh, I can probably. Uh, I got to see when Blaze's uh, Blaze is doing a, a birthday thing for Jensen that we're going to interact with. So, oh okay, yeah, because oh, Andy's getting walk-ons when she leaves work, and she's going to give me some. So I don't know if uh, if we're going to go get food or no. Mm, yeah, I think we can. Okay, yeah, and let's see. I think we're going to wrap up on this real quick. I'm going to grab one from Facebook since we haven't done any of those yet. We have Mr. Liam. I'll, I'll grab a couple, actually. Liam Shoop says, yep, he's going to get it day one so I can play My Name is Mayo on PS5. There you go. Uh, and I think he was actually talking about the sequel titled My Name is Mayo 2. I think I said but My Name stylized is T-O-O. And it's going to be salad dressing that Yucky. has a mayo label on it because no. it's trying to be mayonnaise. No. And that's going to be the plot twist. You tapping on the lid, it says mayo the whole time. You tap a little too hard one time, the label falls off, and you see Miracle Whip. <laughs> and that's when you become, that's, that's when you get the platinum. <laughs> that's when you get the platinum. Uh, Mr. Ken Nay says, I'll buy one at launch, assuming I can find one, which goes back towards some people I think worried, and I, reasonably so, that uh, if they're going to make less, supply could be constrained, which is what we're seeing right now with the Switch. <laughs> So I guess anything is possible. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, let's see. A couple more. We have Blake Popes, one of our patrons and friends and my co-host over on our movie podcast, Midweek Matinee. He says, I'll probably hold off a bit unless the launch games are just amazing. And then lastly, I'm going to throw in Mr. Danny Candyman Villalobos. He's one of our patrons as well. He says, I'm still planning to grab it day one unless I cannot find it in my area. I'm still betting $400 to $550 price range for the console. Anything higher would put me off to a later date. And I still stand on what I said last week. I think that there's a a big reason, definitely if they're worried about the economy. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's more of a reason to get the system out into people's hands so that you can get people to get on things like PlayStation Now, PlayStation Plus, uh, buying games, even if it's a single player. If you make the price point for the system lower, where you take maybe a little bit of a loss, even if it's $50, you're going to make that up in more long-term revenue and help get the system out in people's hands and kind of incentivize them. I really think we may be looking at a 450. I think beforehand, when the economy was doing well, they might have been looking at a 500. But both consoles, Microsoft and PlayStation, I could see at least right now discussing the potential of a slight loss 
just to incentivize getting in people's hands quicker. I could see that. It's going to appease more people that way. But I also think it depends on how much further this goes on. You know what I mean? It's hard to say. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and wrap that up and head into the news. And we're not going to have necessarily a main topic today. We're going to do what we've been doing uh, unless there's just one topic that seems to uh, str- kick itself out. It's going to read through the news and discuss them uh, at length or at least as we feel like we have stuff to say about them and then move along. So the first bit of news, which is not too surprising, it's keeping with Sony's uh, latest modus operandi on uh, both before the pandemic and even during now. They have confirmed they will not be attending Brazil Game Show 2020 this October. Now, the question here for me becomes... Will they be at any events? Uh, yeah, why not just cancel everything at this point? Well, even then, like you know, you, there's a streamed-only version of Gamescom happening later this year, since yeah. it normally happens in August. Um, now, August is not quite as close to the release of the PS5 as uh, like the Brazilian Game Show, and it's not like the Brazil Game Show is something we normally look at. But it just goes to show that if Sony's not attending these things, what is their plan to build interest, hype, and also be able to share information on the upcoming console that close to release if it's not going to be some kind of a just if they're not going to do something like gamescom or something bigger definitely when it's digital only it's just essentially making a video but getting it put out in front of different eyes do they just continue to do drip feed information which i do think is possible or do they continue to do something kind of like a state of play that's specifically built around it i mean i think drip feeding or state of play style stuff would be either either or is preferred yeah i think that state of play is a little more it lowers the barrier of entry because people are more likely to watch a quick video than to sit down and just read an article. And that's becoming... Like, well, they could still make these announcements in a quick video. Sure, they could. And, and drip feed that to us that yeah, way. Yeah, and that's what I mean is that you know some of them were like the Wired articles. Those weren't on videos. If you wanted yeah. that video format, you had to go to someone else. But the best way for Sony to really gauge true interest on their stuff is to make sure that they're the ones getting the views and numbers on their, on their stuff and making it as easy for people to see. And I think little quick videos is a good way to pull that off. So we'll see how that ends up working out. Um, anything you want to add to that? No. Yeah, we're uh, pretty good on that. Okay. Uh, next up, Crytek, which we talked about last week uh, on the Crisis remaster, have given a little bit more clarification on the scope of the game, revealing that the game will forego the typical remaster expectation of including all the expansions or DLC with the game's Warhead expansion not being part of the remaster. Uh, now, this is one of those things where some fans, because of some wording that was put here and there, had also hoped and thought that it might include Crisis 2 and 3 as well. Uh, and that even if it's just the first game, that it would include Warhead because they said it would uh, wrap the entirety of the first game's ex- um, campaigns with mm-hmm. an S. So people think, okay, Warhead would at least be in there. Um, sadly, that is not the case. Now, I didn't necessarily expect Crisis 2 and 3 in there, even though that would have been cool. The biggest thing for me here is that, to me, this means that this remaster is going to have, since pricing has not been released just yet, this really needs to have a lower entry point. 20 to $30. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a little worried. $20, honestly. This game's almost a decade old. Or it is a decade old, isn't it? It's older. Yeah, 12 yeah. years, right? 2008? Yeah. yeah. So that's my where I come in at it. I feel like the only way to justify this realistically, $20. On the Switch, probably forty because Switch tags. Um, yeah, we'll see. Just like paying fifty dollars for Final Fantasy ten and ten two remasters. <laughs> That's so ridiculous, man! I can't believe it. Uh, speaking of that, though, actually, um, and I, I'll go ahead. I mean, I am I am still excited for Crisis. I do think it. 
last week you had mentioned that you just you didn't think it was that good of a game. I do like Crisis, and actually Crisis One. I, I like Crisis 2. Crisis 3 is the only one I didn't play. One of the things I liked about Crisis 1, and I even mentioned last week, was that Far Cry was trying to be like it. Yeah. Uh, and that's interesting considering that Crytek originally made Far Cry before Far Cry 2, made by an entirely different team, copied it. <laughs> um, but I like the open-ended structural level system. I like it to where you can, uh, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to go this way on this big map and be able to flank enemies and do these different things and use the power suit. I like a lot of the same things that I liked about Far Cry 2 being in it. It's like the open-ended challenge that allows you a little bit more freedom, kind of like the Dishonored setup to where it's like, it's not as good as Dishonored, where Dishonored has a lot of verticality as well, but I like the kind of solve problems in your own fashion Yeah. thing. Now, Crisis 2 and 3 didn't... Well, Crisis 3 had that, actually, even though I didn't play it. I remember that it returned to like a somewhat bigger open areas. Um, but, yeah. I'm interested to see how that works out. But what I was going to say uh, is in relation to the Switch stuff, the PS4 version of Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, has been patched to include the features that were added into the later released Xbox One and Switch versions, meaning that there is no longer any disparity in features across all versions of the games. Now, here's a big question, Saul. Do you see this potentially happening with other Square Enix releases, like the Dragon Quest XI exclusive features, maybe being after a period of exclusivity being brought over to PS4. I could see that. I didn't know that had any exclusive features. Well, the Dragon Quest 11. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. Is, yes. is that because a definitive edition came out on switch and not on PS4? Yeah, it was, a, it released much later on switch. Yeah. So of course they had extra time to put in extra so. stuff. Um, also, get Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age. That's one of my favorite Final Fantasy games. Is worth playing. I think it's like, I think it's twelve dollars or something, or maybe it's twenty three dollars. That's a steal. I think it's twenty three dollars right now on PS4. Which we'll also get to that. I guess I'll go ahead and knock that out. Uh, on the PSN right now, Sony has the big in Japan sale going on with up to fifty percent off of some of the biggest overseas made favorites, and even more off on some of the more niche titles. Uh, the sale goes through Friday, May eighth, though sadly. And this is a big point of contention for me. Does not include many Vita titles, just two, and it also does not include Vita versions of PS4 titles that are on sale, such as World of Final Fantasy. So since I've been playing so much Final Fantasy lately, and I like the kind of premise for World of Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. I've been debating buying it for Vita. It gives me something to play on it, and I think I would like that style of game more handheld anyway. Yeah. So for me, double win and I wouldn't buy it on switch right now partially because I if I'd love it I'd like to platinum it potentially yeah but also Hannah has been glued to the switch it's essentially hers I don't care <laughs> but animal crossing she loves animal too, yeah. crossing so um, but with that my big point of, of contention comes here is I don't I didn't agree but I can at least understand Sony bowing out of supporting new titles to the Vita as long as go as they did but just because you're not supporting the Vita with your own with your own releases and maybe updates or whatever you want to say and, and not even supporting Vita with uh, new cartridges anymore. You can't, you know, they, they, they finished Vita production of uh, our production of Vita cartridges. That does not mean that you cannot support the system with things like sales. Why would a big in Japan sell when the Vita was biggest in Japan and has a ton of J- Japanese made games that made their way over here? 
why would you not include those versions in think, these sales? I think it's just furthermore evidence of Sony just really trying to be done with the Vita. But it also makes me wonder how much of it is up to the publishers. And if so, it's so shame. Because I feel like Sony could be like, hey, look, Square, you're putting World of Final Fantasy on sale for twelve thirty nine for the PS4 version. But the Vita, I mean, the Vita version is going to be not on sale for $40 still. Yes. Is it just Ooh. is it Square trying to get more money out of the porting it to Vita? Because honestly, you'd get more money out of getting people to buy either version. You already ported it to Vita. Now it's just about making as much money as you can. If that means putting it on sale for twelve thirty nine when you have the PS4 version, or even $15 for the PS Vita version and twelve ninety nine for the PS4 uh, version, something. Yeah. Because I would have bought, I, I ended up buying it from Amazon brand new for $20. And honestly, I'd rather have it physical anyway. If I end up not liking it, I can sell it. That's true. But my point being, I would have literally bought it and downloaded it right now and, be pl- and been playing it today, later today probably. Probably not. I'm going to play Crisis Core. But my point stands that it's a... It just bums me out. And playing the Vita as much as I have lately, it just makes me want more Vita and um, another handheld from Sony. Sad days is what it is. Uh, move back up to what I had skipped over. Uh, for those who've been on the lookout, uh, an early third-party PS exclusive for both PS5 and PS4 uh, has been shown in the way of Quantum Error, which is a, her- a, fir- a horror, sorry, a horror first-person shooter being developed by Team Kill Media. A trailer released back in March teased the game, but they've come out and discussed it more since then. So the game is being built in Unreal Engine with PS5 as the target console. Uh, they will only begin optimizing for the PS4 once they are much closer to release. So. One of the things I like about this, and I don't necessarily know if it's been documented or you can tell, but when when the PS4 was coming, I felt like a vast majority of the games that were cross-gen, definitely the ones on launch day that were cross-gen, were really just PS3 titles that were just, their native resolution was upped. We, yeah, we talked about that before. Like Thief specifically was one of those that was just really bad. Well, no, Thief, honestly, of all the ones I played from, because Thief came later. It wasn't a launch, launch game. Uh, was it, it not? It was no, a launch window. Launch window. It was like first three months. Yeah. Um, but Thief to me, Call I, of Duty Ghost. I felt like there was more of a jump from that than something like Call of Duty Ghost. Yeah. Where really, Call of Duty Ghost did not look any better besides 1080p right. on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And I guess maybe. The power jump here is kind of seemingly more, definitely not even necessarily raw power, but speed and stuff like that you can do was more than what you had from PS3 to PS4. So maybe it's part of it, but to me, it's just like you're, the developers are looking at it from a standpoint of, uh, since backwards compatibility is there anyway, there's no reason not to deal with this. We're going to aim for PS5 first, make the game exactly how we'd want it on PS5, and only then start optimizing for the ps4 version so instead of doing what we've worried about with like you know xbox's stance that every series x game is still going to play on the base model xbox one that's so much of a disparity so much of a disparity that you have to look at this and say the game almost has to be designed at that point with this in mind so that you don't do something that's too broad, right? Because now you have um, hard drive speeds that are going to be crazy and that can make, and your uh, memory bandwidth uh, is going to happen. It's such a different way that you can load the world in vastly different. But what happens if you end up trying to put that on another ti- on the other thing? Well, either one of two things. If you come back later, you're going to add load screens. Do you want the game to be that different between the games or do you want it to feel like you're playing the same game on Xbox One. The only difference is the graphical and you know general visual experience on the Series X. That becomes a problem. But if you make it for the target system first and then drop it, like 
what happens with The Witcher 3 yeah. when it gets ported down to Switch by a completely different company. Obviously, all they're worried about, and of course this happened with PC, to be fair, for The Witcher 3, but The Witcher 3 had to be a little pulled back to work on consoles, and the PC version suffered a little bit because of that. Yeah. But it just goes to show that you can't put something on something weaker without it having some kind of an effect, but the minimal effect that you can have, the better. That's true, yeah, and I agree. Like, if if, if we're going to get a port of any kind of, or even just a, a next-gen crossover game, try to keep things like that minimal, even if you're trying to show off new stuff, because it makes a parody between those two. Just kind of how what you're talking about with Final Fantasy XII. There's a mm-hmm. parody. There should be a, that kind of parody in a game. That's, yeah. That, that should have been day one. Bring it back to what you were talking about, Thief. I think the one thing that would have made Thief feel really next-gen, that felt very non-next-gen on the PS4 version, yeah. uh, was load screens between every level when there was no real need so what would happen is you'd get to the end of a level and then you'd go out a window and even though the next part of the game you're about to be playing was just on the side of the world the other side of that window you had to load into it well and what, what i will say <laughs> I this, hated that one of the coolest mods that i i have ever played with skyrim is that there is no loading screens between the city yeah it's just so cool to have one of those big doors and you know what's crazy about open that have- is i know that it was probably just to make it was probably to make sure that you didn't have problems. I think the consoles probably could have handled it, but it was like, hey, on the off chance that they couldn't have, let's pull back. Because do you remember in Skyrim when you're playing, the there was parts where you could accidentally l- lump in under the map, and you could actually get outside of the cities and be underneath the rest of the open world, and you could see everything. You'd just be under it. I never saw that, no. Yeah. Um, it was a big exploit that people used to get gold and stuff, because what would happen is... The way that Skyrim's system well, was set up. Well, I did that because like, I think in, not Solitude, where is it at? There's a city that you can go to a rock behind uh, this well. And like if you go to the uh, ro- It's Winterhold. No. Or Windhelm, whatever. It, it's one of the icy cities. You yeah, can yeah. And, and there's, and you, you go, it's like a corner of a rock and you can hit X to go to the stash that is that shop's oh, inventory. Oh, no, there's that one. But this other one is like when you're in uh, Whiterun mm-hmm. in Skyrim, you can go up and you can actually access... Um, by doing some weird jumping around and, and falling through certain areas, you can access like the um, blacksmith, uh, the one that's up in the top in the... Um, Solitude? No, the one it's, it's in White Run. Oh. There's two blacksmiths. You know, there's the one that's oh, up on the yeah. peak. Yeah. And then there's the one that's as soon as you get in the city. Right. Um, you can go to the one that's up by the peak and you can get under and you can get into his box. And it's just his inventory. Yeah. Every NPC that had an inventory, their inventory was tied to a chest. And it's hidden in yeah, the world. And it's hidden in the world. So you could jump underneath and do that. But yeah, it's interesting. That would have. Because I know when I watched you do it, I said, whoa. And actually, I meant to ask uh, does that exist on the Xbox One version? Because you did Maybe. the Xbox One version modded, but I didn't know if you ever did that. Maybe. Uh, I would honestly not be surprised if that was on the PS4 version, too, because it's not using any new assets. Yeah, it's just using extra processing. I mean, even then, like, it didn't do anything to my PC at all. Yeah. So, maybe. I, I don't know. That's that's my big hope for next gen is minimal load windows. I think like, we'll get that, too. There was an article, actually, about um, the... Uh, the Outer Worlds. I always have to double check and make sure I don't accidentally say the Outer, Outer Wilds. Wilds. Yeah. Um, even more funny, did you see that the writer for the Outer Wilds was hired by Obsidian to be the writer on the Outer Worlds too? That's, that's just <laughs> an, an, a Christopher Nolan level of inception. Right um, but they talked about, and I remember one of the things that felt kind of dated about the Outer Worlds was that there was a lot of load windows. And they talked about their original goal for the game was much bigger areas, but the current consoles for them to be as 
populated as they were. Yeah. And and I will give them credit. They may have had smaller areas, but they were pretty densely populated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With I, I love that game. But yeah, they had the game was apparently meant to be a whole lot bigger. And that was one of the things that always got me. Like, why am I have to load here? Why am I have to load here? Mm-hmm. Next gen, I want such minimal loading <laughs> that it just how were the all load times on PS4 for the Outer Worlds? Yeah. All right. Not terrible. I'll say for, for Xbox, great. they were like ten seconds or less. I'd say they were probably twelve to fourteen seconds, if I can remember. So. That's you not know, bad. Not bad at two, all. There's so many of them, they all add up. And did you play on the you played on the One X? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it was free. It's in Games Pass. Yeah. I couldn't remember if you played on PC or one or the One X after you got your One no, X. No, but it's coming to Switch. I might be interested in that. Oh, it still hasn't released for Switch yet. I forget no, that. They've announced for Switch forever ago. It got pushed back for some reason. Because <laughs> of the Switch. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Only so much you can do. Uh, all right, let's see. The next thing up, uh, Predator Hunting Grounds, the PS4 console exclusive that just released for all, was having uh, similar issues to those faced in the beta with players having to wait upwards of 30 minutes for matches to start due to matchmaking issues. Developer Ilphonic released a hotfix today that aims to fix the issue as well as iron out a few other small issues as well. And uh, I, I noticed I put as well twice. My bad. Um, this is one of those things where... It's technically an exclusive, but why do online games release in this fashion? I don't know. And why does it happen with only online games all the time? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's... here's a good example. Call of Duty is just, a, it has a single player storyline, but a lot of people who buy it day one are playing online and they don't have these problems. No, because, yeah, well, Call of Duty is a good developer. They, uh, well, the Call of Duty developer plans enough for this. Sure. I think it's also budget, if, I'm not, if I'm not lying. I mean, you got to think about how much money Call of Duty brings in and they know it's for the multiplayer aspect, so you better have excess of servers. Any of these weird asymmetrical games. I don't like these games that much. And I think any of these, like I, they always just say, like they're not high quality at all. Oh, shout out something I figured out the other day and learned. Uh, apparently, Crisis Three, so 2013, if I'm remembering correctly, Crisis Three had it was either Crisis Two or Crisis Three had a multiplayer mode called uh, Predators or something like that, to where it was some invisible ones versus where it was a bunch of non uh, mech suit people and I'm, then one one person with the with the smart suit. I'm pretty on. sure it was three. Yeah, because three, like I said last episode, three actually had some went fun multiplayer. Yeah. So it's funny, we were talking about, you know, was one of the earliest examples we remember being an entire game, at least, was, of course, Total Rock Studios uh, Evolve. But that idea's been around for a while. Yeah. Even, actually, go further back. Go to zombies in Halo. Dead Space 2. Halo had zombies, where it was literally yeah. like people infecting other people. Yeah, that one was weird, because it starts off one way. It's still but, asymmetrical. Yeah, it's still asymmetrical, because it starts off one way and then builds around the other. Yeah. Uh, that's even cooler in a weird way. It is. Um, I'm going to go make sure my car's locked because your dogs are barking for no apparent reason. And I can't remember if I... I don't think I locked my car. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I will just uh, bide some time while we're doing this. And actually, I'll go ahead and say this. Oh, well, okay. I mean, there's one piece of news before that. Oh, yeah, that's right. The jacket I bought already. You bought that jacket? I hope you did. For the ludicrous price of just under nineteen hundred dollars, at least in the in USD, uh, you can get the styling and profiling. Uh, or you can get two styling and profiling in your very own time fall proof jacket to flex your love for Death Stranding. The stranger thing is that the jacket is no more than just a variant of an existing jacket uh, with a few color changes, a few patches, uh, and lastly some print to give it the fictional Bridges branding, um, which. 
is just ridiculous. $1,900 for, I mean, it's from the company acronym, which does like urban tech wear or whatever they want to call themselves. Their stuff is already expensive, uh, but they happen to be friends with Kojima. So they got together and made this jacket and there's a picture of Kojima wearing one. I just find it so weird. And this is something that happened in Final Fantasy 15 as well, where clothing companies that apparently helped kind of do the designs and inspired the designs within the games themselves would make real versions of the clothes found within the game, but they'd be ridiculously priced. It begs the question of who's it for, at least to me. Um, but it is what it is. Saul, do you remember in Final Fantasy 15 uh, that the characters were all in like somewhat leather clothing and stuff that was designed by a real world company that was put into the game. And then the real world clothing company, (laughs) the whole game was full of advertisement. Yeah. Hey, as much as I hated it, I understand that they were trying to make back years and years of it being a vaporware title that was stuck in development hell. So this is what I'll say. I'm glad that it clearly wasn't just square being fully scummy because final fantasy seven did not have a single piece of real world advertising in it. No, I don't think it did. I, I don't think it did actually. I really think that that was. But either way, the, the clothing for Final Fantasy fifteen. I remember when they were talking about. It, they were like, "Hey, these clothes will be available to purchase in real life. Is that cool? Yeah, but they're all for like twelve hundred dollars per piece of clothing. I who re- wants to wear that? I really like the design of Techwear. I don't know if you've seen some designs of Techwear, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's kind of what Final Weapon wants their clothing on to be. Yeah. And that, but everything that is tech wear is expensive. Something Shout I out to Final Weapon, by the way. That's yes. our, our news partners that we sometimes get some more new stuff and we like to share their stuff. They're good, good workers. Um, and like, let me show you this jacket. Tell me you wouldn't want to wear this jacket. This jacket looks so nice. Oops. Oh my goodness. I hate trackpads. But this jacket right here, would you wear that jacket if you had it? Not really. It's not my style, if I'm being honest. You don't like that windbreaker style? I, I don't like jackets like that. Oh, it's actually leather. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. $120. And, and it's thick. I don't like thick jackets. Do you notice the jacket I wear 90% of the time is that one that's black with a little bit of a... Would you wear that one? Uh, too thick style. looking still. Well, I mean, like in the I, it of, looks in cool, the, in the I guess. I, I may wear it, but I may wear it for looks, but I'd never wear it otherwise because of heat. I don't like being hot. My jacket, my favorite jacket is you can see through it. <laughs> You just hold it taut and see through it. I love that. Uh, anyway, last thing we're going to talk about is the uh, recent heat sink patent that was filed by Sony or uh, unearthed from something filed by Sony a while back. Uh, and it has the internet excited about the potential cooling solutions for the PS5. Uh, now, here's the thing. I don't know why. This is, well, I think what it is is it. This is not special in any real way. So, this is what I'm saying. I think for a lot of people. This is based off of whether or not they think the PlayStation 5 is going to go for a tower design or not. Which is uh, that, and that is a dumb reason to be excited about this because that's not going to, this, this is a very classic style of heat, of cooling. Mm-hmm. And we have that the PS5 already. W- what is going to be more efficient of this based on these pack, the, like, based on this, this patent? What's more efficient than this to not make my PS5 not sound like a turbo jet engine like my PS4 does? Okay, so this is actually a lot closer to what's in... And it's, I, I say closer. It's still not the exact thing. This is a lot closer to what Xbox did in the uh, One X. How is there... Where's the reservoir at? Is it this? Well, there's there's more to it than this, but if you actually read the whole thing, there, it, it, it explains oh, a little bit of it. I just it. don't get it. Now, these are just renders that someone did, uh, did of how the cooling is going to work, and you can actually see a little bit of it in here. But with all that being said, what's happening here is I think that people are excited about this. 
two things happens here. I think this goes back to reinforce the fact that any bit of information that comes out that could even potentially mean that, oh, this might be for the PS5, blows up. Yes. That's, that, I Which think is that's why the, we're doing this topic. I think that's the biggest aspect of this. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest aspect of this is that it goes to show that even people who don't really understand tech are looking at this and going, oh, yeah, great. This is so cool. But I really think the bigger factor here, and I, and I think this even for myself, and I understand, I personally don't want Sony to go with the tower. Now, I've said it a million times. If they go with a tower design, I'm still buying it. So something I don't care that much. So something weird about this render is that the it's upside down. I realize that that's not a water block. That's where the CPU that's that's what this thermal paste goes here. And then it goes upside down on top of the CPU the and the heat sink is up. Right? How does that heatsink sit on the on the CPU? Yeah, I saw that too. But I, it's also weird because this looks like teeth, but it's hard to say if it's actual teeth or if. And that's the thing about renders, people. One of the things I don't like is when people try and render things out because it could be incorrect. They don't always get it right. Yeah, but even then, when you're looking at the patent, it's hard to tell: is this the teeth side, or if you flip this upside down, is this the vent side? The air moves. Well, through? what I got from this from this blueprint is that it's going to be this is the very top. This is going to be heating, or not heating, but cooling um, uh, coils. This is going to be where the CPU is, and this is the CPU here, the 5C. The 5D is maybe a very small liquid well, reservoir. Look, for anybody that cares, we'll go ahead and read this. So we're looking at an article that um, Push Square put out. So it says, uh, the cool, it, it goes on to explain how the cooling system will operate. Quote, a heat sink is disposed on a lower surface of a circuit board. The circuit board has through holes that penetrate the circuit board in an area where an integrated circuit apparatus is disposed. Heat conduction paths are provided in the through holes, which is not what the PlayStation has right now. No. Uh, the heat conduction paths connect the integrated circuit apparatus and the heat sink, heat sink. This structure allows for disposition of a component different from the heat sink on the same side as the integrated circuit apparatus thus ensuring a higher degree of freedom in the component layout. So I think what this is, is uh, and why I think people, again, are looking at this, the way that this is worded out is that this is something that, again, is going towards more of what the 1X was aiming to do, letting it to be where you have more freedom of where you can put your components around it and deal with that, and that way you can keep your form factor low but still actually have better heating than what was, what was in, or better heating, better heat dissipation and better cooling in general than what you had in the launch model Xbox One and the PS4, right? This is something that's more about bringing your size down but giving you actually overall more cooling by using special chambers. Now, this sounds weird. This is actually not that different. I, I, know that, I only know this because I recently did this. This is not that different than the way that transmissions, automatic transmissions, cool their fluid. Um that goes through them. Now, of course, that's fluid that literally pushes through these, but this is where you use... How hot does that fluid get, do you know? <laughs> really, really hot. Uh, whenever it's actually going. And, if you, of course, if you are out of fluid, the heat will actually bind up the transmission and burn it out, stuff like that. But my point being is that this is an idea that's been around for a while. If you can get things, and in this, in this case, what's really happening is that you want the air to act as if it were a fluid. You want the air to be forced down in these holes, have another travel path to travel, so that too much heat doesn't get built up in one spot. You're creating paths that which you want this air to flow through is what I'm picking up from what this is acting like and saying. So to me, I like that. And you could still, and maybe they, the one thing about this patent is I don't think it goes on to say extra because technically if they wanted to do vapor cooling on top of this, 
They could. I think this is specifically what's on the processor side. And then I think everything else is kind of like a phone. The vapor cooling chamber doesn't actually exist on the processor. It's right. actually it's separate. A, it's, a, it's a copper pipe laid yeah. in the, into the and actual motherboard. Yeah. So when you're dealing with that, I think there's a lot of ways that they can do this. But the bigger thing I think to note here is that as interesting as this could be to certain people. It could be completely fake. This has. It, it's not that it's fake. It's a real patent, but it may not be well, what's in the PlayStation. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be a patent that is just made to have been made. This yeah. could not have anything to do with anything it, at all. Yeah, because they, they may have patented every cooling idea the, they went through. Could be the new uh, cooling uh, cooling um, patent for the PS Vita 2. We don't know. <laughs> I knew you were about to say that. Uh, but either way, I think that the bigger drawing between this, like I said, the two takeaways from this is just that any bit of information that's, that gets put out, even if it's not officially through Sony, this is just a patent by Sony, people are lapping it up. And I, I think the secondary thing is this speaks a lot. I think that people read that, just like I was talking about, and freedom of component layout is all about people going, okay, well, that gives you the ability to bring your size down. Excuse me. Like in a PS Vita 2 shell. <laughs> but really, I mean, I know so many people who are just like me, and I know some people who are even further down the line than me that, that if it's a tower, they really don't want it, or they are, as far as they're concerned, buying it is going to force them to have to buy a whole new entertainment system, so they would wait. I've heard a couple of people say, my entertainment system is not set up to hold this kind of style of thing. I'd have to wait until eventually a slim model may have come, a smaller model comes out uh, if I don't want to have to spend the extra money to replace my entire setup. And I get it. It's extra money that you feel like you shouldn't have to go because all TV things are set up and designed in a way that goes towards DVD players, VHS players. It, it, depending on how old it is, every set-top box you've ever dealt with has always been a, a rather thick, but still a, a more elongated rectangle than something that comes up as just a cube. I will say, though, that my entertainment system, I don't have to worry about that at home. Because you don't have a real entertainment system. You have no, a desk my like room. I do. My living room. Yeah. My, my living room actually has the cutouts for everything are actually about that thick a piece, and then there's an actual cube on one side. On one side, now yeah. That's Evie's uh, door to get in her bedroom. Yeah. She sleeps behind the TV. So you could put it in that one. You wouldn't be able to put it in the other two, but still. I could lay it down. Well, I thought they, and, and maybe I'm wrong, I thought on the Xbox thing that they had a thing showing that you were not you weren't supposed to turn it on its side. I thought you, I, I've not heard that. Well, and I may be conflating though. I don't think I am. I, I may be conflating or accidentally assuming and thinking I heard it as news. I don't know if you remember the launch model Xbox. You weren't supposed to put up on its side. No, I do remember that. Or you yeah. weren't supposed to put it flat. One of the two, it was something ridiculous. I was yeah. like, why, why can't you do either? But, but from what I've seen of the Xbox one series X is that it's not much wider than a controller. Yeah. And I would be hard up. pressed to find, entertainment systems that I'm looking for around here that I would buy something that has a slot that's even less than that. Even even when I'm shopping for well, not with this in my mind. So like me and you, right? Let's just kind of put this in perspective of what's really going to happen for me and you. It would realistically go on our desktop. Yeah, it's, not, it's something Because that, we have desks that we use as technically entertainment actually, systems. I really dig the Xbox Series X style because it takes up less of a footprint on my desk. Hmm? It'll go in a corner over there where my Xbox One X is now. Now for me, and it doesn't affect me, it would require me... It depends, right? It depends on what I do with my existing consoles because I always keep my consoles and I'm going to keep these. Yeah, There's no reason gonna, for me to sell either of these because they're too special. Either or. Uh, the PS3 I just kept because, again, special. Backwards compatible, four USB yeah. ports, memory card readers. There's no reason not to keep it and keep it plugged in because I still like to play a good amount of PS3 games uh, occasionally. And I just like keeping the Vita. I don't normally get rid of stuff, but I don't normally keep it on display either. The PS3 is this. A PS3. I guess that's just, I keep it there because I play it occasionally. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I play it 
often, but I played it enough, I think, to warrant it already being hooked up. I would hate to have to pull that out and hook it up every time I wanted to play it. Yeah, that'd be annoying. So my thing is, is I would really love for the PS5 to be something that I could set up and just stand up on its side and it'd be thin and not take up much room and it fit in with the current design I have for all my consoles. But if it's a cube, I am going to have to completely rearrange how I do my stuff. It's not, again, it's not going to keep me from buying it. Yeah. But I understand why some people are on this. Uh, if it's a tower, I'm either not going to buy it or I'm going to just wait until they hopefully make one that's smaller. Two years, probably, realistically, if you, if you really think about how that normally yeah, goes. Yeah, I'd say two, two, two and a half. It was two years for them to make a PS4 Slim, if I remember correctly. How, what was it? They made a Series S. Same, uh, a little bit after, I think, actually. Or the Xbox One X. Yeah, the Xbox One S. I think it was a little bit after the PlayStation came out with the Slim. Okay. So, um, but my point being is, this is weird. I mean, it's cool. It's interesting. And I actually, and again, this speaks, I think, so much to how different these consoles are going to be. I think that the fact that Sony, even if it's just from what we're seeing from a potential setup that's not even going to be in the PS5, it goes to show that Sony has been looking at, well, how do we try and introduce new, interesting, cooling ways that lets us keep the form factor that we like and that other people like. And to me, I like that. I like that they're so different because the PS4 and the, and the Xbox one were very similar across the board. They were both loud. They both had poor cooling. And up until you got to the, the one X, uh, they both had very equally, like all their cooling systems are very similar. Now the one X I think was a huge upgrade from the PS4 pro. Oh and yeah. That's it's awesome. Nowhere near I'm glad loud. that they were so different. Also, I'm glad that I think that the One X probably pushes Sony to think more about, like, with this next console, what are we going to do to try and Competition be drives ideas. Yeah, exactly. And innovation. So, and if, if the Xbox's solution to keep everything cool is to build a big tower that happens to have the double aspect of at least making their design unique for a console, if not divisive, still unique. Well, I mean, there, and there's a reason why you see high-end PCs with liquid cooling. It's not because they're doing it for aesthetics or anything. It's because it actually works for what they're running. Yeah. Uh, and well, then, and, and even while you see a computer tower in general, the computer tower is set up the way it is because the more air you can move through a system, the more hot air you can get out. Yes. So even without liquid cooling, you just you well, know. And, and not even that. Not all high end systems need liquid cooling. Have they confirmed that One X is the or sorry Series X is going to be liquid cooled? It's like the One X, the One X liquid is vapor or something. Cooled. I watched the video, but I forgot. It's something. Yeah. Either way, it'll can, be interesting to see. Uh, if y'all remember, Mark Cerny said that they are going to do a teardown of the ps5 and that's when they're going to go into may that's when they're going to go into uh what the cooling uh, solution is get us that in may but so uh, we will see communities take take a look at these blueprints tell us what you think i think my community's take is going to be actually a little simpler go ahead do you want the would you be okay with sony taking on a tower design or do you want more of a flat traditional console yeah, design? Yeah, tower design or no tower design. That simple. Because that's going to be... I've, I've talked to some people about it, and I know what some people like Josh Ayers, uh, our friend and, and patron, and do the Discord. I, I know how he feels about it. I've got some local friends that I've talked to about it. And it's interesting not only seeing what their opinion is, but why their opinion is that. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's a big... So I guess, which one do you prefer and why, why? is the real question. So I'll get that put, put out... Um, I've been debating doing more of the community's take later in the week so that people see it closer to the episode and it gets a little more interaction, but I don't know. I guess I'll go ahead and ask that if you could, if you hear this and care to think about it and, and reach out to us through discord, Twitter or whatever, do you want, would you like me putting the reminder out on Wednesday? Does it give you more time to kind of do it or does putting it out Wednesday 
interrupt with you on the work week and get it to where you don't even end up seeing it and forget to to be part of it. Because we record on Sundays, we can do this on Friday, night. and that's what I did. That's what I did this time. Yeah, we, Friday we I got lot. off work and we had a lot. So, um, but uh, yeah, hey guys, if you uh, if you like the video, give us a like, and if you are on a podcast service that supports reviews, think about giving us a review, even if it has stuff in there you want us to fix or or change. All critique is good critique. Mm-hmm. And lastly, if you would really enjoy us and uh, you think we're shareworthy, tell a friend about us. Tell uh, tell somebody who likes gaming, uh, who likes to hear people talk about PlayStation and other systems in relation to the PlayStation. We did just talk and a lot about Xbox. We did. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think it's interesting to know. And uh, don't forget, we upload every... Every single episode, every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, noon central time. I don't know why I almost said standard there. Uh, and you can catch us in video format on YouTube if you want to see our pretty faces. If you really, really love our content, you can become a patron over there at patreon.com slash nartech. And you can hear Brett lively read out all of your names with his lovely voice. You know, I think I may have actually forgotten to add Kevin Bacon bits. What a shame. Uh, it, we're if sorry, not, hey, if not, Dennis. special patron shout out to Kevin Bacon bits. But I may have added it. Yeah, we're going to say his name again. If it's on there, you get it twice. Otherwise, I will change it right now. So, All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, uh, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, and of course, we're going to go ahead, even though I didn't add it on there and, and breathe, throw up uh, Dennis, Mr. Uh, a- Kevin Bacon Bits. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thanks.